As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only podcast whose performance never, ever suffers on the road. It's me, Tim Cato. I run and talk about the Mavericks. Uh, we've got Oscar Gurria, uh, a known quantity on this podcast. Uh, we got another good friend of mine, Chase Beakley, who has bylines way back in various places, Mavs Moneyball, D Magazine, uh, full-on Mavericks um, uh, fanatic. A, a fellow brain-injured Mavericks fan, like okay. all of you lovely listeners out there. Here, I'll introduce you in one more way. Uh, you famously have a blog post for Maz Moneyball back when I was editing that site. Um, it's about wings, and it's titled... Requiem for a Wing. I can't still can't believe I got that past the editors. It's about Justin Anderson's career promise and ultimate um, failure to meet that promise. So, so anyway, the point being, Chase goes way back. Uh, you know Austin. You know me. Here's the thing: I don't have a lot to say. You know, it, it, I said after Game Five that this was no longer a series of adjustments. A ser- it's a series of execution. And sure, there is a few adjustments here and there. You know, I think it's interesting that Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock uh, switched their primary defending matchups this game. Do I think it ultimately affected who won this game? No. The Dallas Mavericks executed better than Phoenix. That is why they won the game. You know, it's uh, you know, it was a one thirteen eighty six win that sends them to Game Seven. You got to feel good. Luka Doncic is the best player in the series. He was the best player on the court in Game Six. He's going to be very, might possibly be the best player on the court in a game seven. He is, he should be, he should be. And that is all you can ask for. Um, so I, I want to, I want to kick it to y'all, you know, like what, what are you guys feeling, you know, with, you know, you don't have my broken, oh, I have to analyze what is happening, what adjustments are being made, what is going on on the court. You guys don't have that quite as much as me. How are you feeling? Game six win, the series going to seven. What's the vibe? 
this is the strangest playoff series I have ever seen. I, have, <laughs> I, I, I want someone, someone who's great at Elias Sports, someone with the a large database. Has there ever been a seven game series where none of the first six games went into clutch time, where there was it was fewer than five points within the last five minutes? I mean, the series hasn't started yet. Yeah, that's true. Nobody's won a road no, game. Yeah, no one's won a road game. It's. I've never seen a series where I'm like, I feel like there were six outlier games played on both ends. Both both teams. Like, tonight, you're right. Like, there's not a lot of analysis to make. The Suns played bad. Chris Paul, again, was just not very good. Pretty much invisible. Devin Booker missed, like, three or four wide-open three-pointers. They th- The Suns just threw the ball away, like, a lot. The yeah. entire game. And, and here, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one adjustment, uh, if you will. Me and Dave talked about after Game Five that you know the Devin Booker was smart to instantly attack Luca when he was playing a pseudo drop coverage uh, to you know to avoid getting switched on to Booker and Paul, especially Booker. The Mavericks blitzed every single instance of that. They they blitzed and. Phoenix had no answer. At no point could Phoenix like that's why there's so many turnovers. And I feel like this series in general has been dictated by who is turning the ball over and thus who is using those turnovers to dictate a tempo that is beneficial to them and d- disbeneficial, that's a word, uh to the other team. And you know, the Mavericks being able to get out and run and take threes and take transition threes and get buckets and the and Phoenix not being able to do that in the three wins, Phoenix has got that. Once again, which team was doing it? You saw it. Yep. I think the interesting things from this game were the blitzing of Booker, making it difficult for Booker on offense from the from the jump, um, and the amazing defense that Frank Nilakina played in kind of that that wing or guard defender role, backing up Reggie and. And uh, and Dorian, I think uh, it's tough to be plus nine with one shot attempt that you don't make. Um, and I think that speaks to how immense he was on on defense. The other thing that I took away from this game, and I watched it. Frank had Austin. four steals, by the way. Four steals. Okay, yeah. so more steals than shot attempts. You're Love you're that. doing something. That's special. quadrupled it. That's that's. I think that's great adjustment by Kid to try Nilakina in, in those Josh Green minutes. The other thing that I thought that was really um, uh, important in this game is Luca did not have the best offensive first half, and then came out in the second half and said, "I am I'm here to to do something. It's time to take over." And I think that's what superstar players do. He's certainly capable of doing that. And to see him like say, I'm going to turn my fortunes and I'm going to turn this game around even more in the second quarter and in the, in the third quarter as well, I thought was, was pretty immense. Best player on the court. I thought he played a very mature second half. Yeah. I've seen that first half that he played. I've seen that Luka game many times where he just can't get a shot to go. He's missing little free. layups missing, that go down for him yeah, so often. Yeah, little layups. He's missing free throws, which it's from time to time that, that happens in the regular season. And I thought that he was going to press the issue or get a little out of control. In the second half, he was very much under control, played a very sound floor game, controlled the pace, and attacked. He just was relentless on the attack. And I think the one thing that I think I've learned about the Suns in this series is that they are a 
absolutely brilliant team from an execution standpoint. They understand how to execute every single action and play and counter. And they have the perfect prototype for every single position on the floor. They have great length, they have a lot of talent. But the one thing that they do not have, they do not have a single player on their team who can bludgeon you athletically. They don't have anybody who can overcome poor execution from an athletic standpoint. And they don't put pressure on you from the offensive end um, with from from an athletic standpoint. They, they it's can't almost, overwhelm you. It's almost a damning vein to say that about uh, DeAndre Ayton. But it's true. And it's been true. And, and you know, people who watch the Suns have talked about for years how he doesn't play as big as he is yeah uh he's like uh every six foot uh dude on a dating app you know like like whatever size he's listed at he plays underneath that you know he doesn't he doesn't play to that ability uh monty williams said on the post game that he thought they missed some chances to get the ball down low to him and i agree if they're trapping every single time Ultimately, the the best way that Phoenix is going to be able to counter that is getting the ball to Aiton more often in advantageous situations. But some of this is on Aiton too, and there are situations Aiton had where I thought, you know, another big man um, of his caliber, caliber of of his offensive uh, abilities, would be scoring at will. And you know, wh- whether that Aiton shows up in Game Seven, that may right there decide and determine the series you know both both the the guards getting him the ball in those positions but Aiton also has to has to do it he has to show up um you know we're a Mavericks podcast but we know the NBA we know that the Suns and Aiton are facing a big challenge and a big question of whether Aiton is going to be a future part of their team and if they're missing that just physical you know physically dominant force on the offensive end I think defensively, Mikhail and, and some other players do that. But I think you're right on the off of, offensive end. They don't have a player like that. Aiton should be that guy. And Dallas, once again, for the second series in a row, looked at a big man and ultimately is playing a defense that isn't really respecting them. Shoot as many threes or, or don't shoot threes. We'll give you two-pointers. They've said this two series in a row. Really, they've said this for months now. And the league is not built with big man who can counteract that really good defense they're playing. Maybe eventually they're going to run into one. I'd be very curious to see what, you know, this defense looks like against Giannis for seven games. Uh, I'm not even predicting. I'm not even trying to predict finals matchups. I'm just saying like, that would be a really interesting case study, a player like that. But this defense against these big men that they've faced, it's been very consistent that they can just swarm the three point line over and over and even though they're smaller, they put enough people in the paint, they collapse hard enough, they do it in rhythm and synchronicity, and that is how this Mavericks defense limited Phoenix to 86 points. That is unbelievable to me in a game six. 86. It's crazy. I mean, I, I agree with the points on Aiton and how he he seems to fail to play with force. And like we were just talking about Luca really taking charge of this game and asserting himself on this game. Aiton's not able to do that um, by the virtue of the position he plays. That said, Aiton tonight, 21 and 11, 10 of 16 shooting. Um, I'd say you take that performance from him. I think the, I'm sure the, the questions are going to be more about Chris Paul and Booker's performances. I also think Bridges speaking about athletes, two of seven for him. Seven points. I don't think that's enough on the offensive end. 
Um, from it takes him. way too many elbow jumpers. I don't, I don't, I don't know he's, what that's all the about. The shots that he's taking aren't good shots. Like yeah. I just, he looks like a player on offense who doesn't quite know what he wants to get and is unable to get there if he does know what he wants. Certainly, to get. certainly on the road. Jay Crowder has been better than him, like significantly. Yeah. I've feared Jay Crowder way more than I feel Mikhail Bridges, and because Jay Crowder does play with some level of force, and he's not afraid. I think one thing about this Suns team that we have to realize is that even though they made the finals last year, that was outside of Chris Paul. That was the first time in the playoffs for all of those guys. I think I watched Booker's press conference after this game and he was like, I've never been in a game seven. I don't, I don't really know. I'm excited to, to do this, but they've never been in this situation before. And last year they had that opportunity to go to game seven against the Bucks, but they were up 2-0 in that series. And then Chris Paul kind of got erased. And that's really, honestly, the biggest point from this series. The Mavericks have erased Chris Paul. He has been atrocious. He's been so bad. This is an, honestly, this will be, this is a legacy game for Chris Paul in game seven. I think all the pressure is on Phoenix in game seven. They're in an interesting position that they are a younger team. Like you mentioned, not a lot of playoff experience outside of Chris Paul. And at the same time, there is immense pressure on them to win this game seven. They're the best team in the league. Chris Paul is 37. Vegan diet or no vegan diet, uh, you don't. It's hard to imagine him being able to continue at this pace. And next year, Kawhi Leonard's going to be back. Jamal Murray is going to be back. We assume the Lakers will do. I mean, it'd be hard to do worse than they did this season. Um, I, I think there is immense pressure on the Phoenix Suns in Game Seven. Conversely, I think Dallas can go out there and say we've got the best player in this series. It might be a game where we hit our threes. Play free, do what we do, um, and we've already overachieved and, and outpaced our expectations. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So from a from a fan perspective, how are you guys taking in six games, no close games, but very tense games, I think, still throughout, like clearly a lot of tension, clearly a lot of moments uh, throughout these six games that have been tight, that have been, you know, feisty. Like, how, how, like I'm still struggling to process. Like you said, Austin, this is a very, very strange series. 
most specifically just the runs and the, you know, when it's been competitive, you know, how, how teams that lead lead pretty much from the start, like from the opening tip, uh, you know, game five being the only real outlier in that sense. Um, is it, is it fun? Are you guys having fun? I'm having a good time, but this is the least stressful seven game series the Mavericks have ever been. I've watched I, from the Dirk era. The Portland series, they went up in 2003. They went up 3 0 and blew a 3 0 lead and then won a game seven. That was stressful. In 2005, they were up two. They went down 0 2 at home and came back and won a game seven. That was also stressful. The Spurs series in 06. Obviously, that was a very stressful, very tense, very competitive series. And then the 2014 series against the Spurs, like Vince Carter, that shot, was Vince Carter shot. Gets, what, gets ejected. Yeah, lots that of close was, games. That was kind of a we're we're happy to be. We're here. happy to be here, but at least like most of the games were close, and there was a lot of struggle. This there's not a single fourth quarter minute in this game where it's been stressful on either side. It's mostly been decided within. Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's mostly like, are we? Are is the other team going to sit their starters? Can we cut it to ten? Can we cut it to eight? And it's been that's what's been very. I've never seen a seven game series where there's never been a point of real tension in a game, and I've enjoyed it because the Suns are the best team in basketball. But I've also again like I've realized that they they are also ahead of schedule. If they had didn't have anybody else but Chris Paul, they had any other. They had Mike Conley. They had any other just league average. They had Marcus Smart. Any other league average point guard, they would be in the they would be in the same place that Dallas is in, where we're we're building up towards building towards being a, a championship team, and we're getting our lumps. You don't make your first playoff run and go to the finals. That's not a thing that happens. They did that last year, but like that's not that's an anomaly. And they did it because they had Chris Paul, but the Mavericks have neutralized Chris Paul in this series. He's not a factor. He's they 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 neutralized Mike Conley, and Chris Paul has played to the level of Mike Conley in the last four games of this series. He's not been a factor. Do you do you do you feel like Dallas as a city, the Mavericks fan base as a whole? Is recognizing that this is a team on the upswing, on the on on the on the upswing, on the up and up. Yeah, absolutely. We we went to to game three in person. These are some of the best crowds that I've seen at a Mavericks game in in a long, long time. And even out and about in the city on game days, you can tell there's energy and there's excitement about the team. I agree. I think I I've enjoyed it immensely. I think that. Um, I said we could die happy if we just got the the one win. I think we're we're playing the team that's got the best record in basketball, and we're we're showing um, that we're moving in the right direction. I think the Porzingis trade and how the playoffs went against the Clippers with Porzingis um, cast a lot of cast a dark cloud over a really optimistic picture with Luca. Um, like, have we made the right moves? Is KP ever going to be that second star? I think this trade and our performance in this series have banished those demons. And there's really good feelings that we're moving in the right direction and that we've, that we've got um, but, a lot to look forward to. So, well. so on the flip side, 
is, is there no disappointment if the Mavericks don't win Game 7? And I know that's it's not a thing that would have... There wouldn't have been before this before the series, right? But I also, I do look at the series, and I do look at the Mavericks, and I think they have won three or four games. They took a game, they kind of took two games to figure out how the Suns play. They have made all the adjustments, and I, I think there's a real case that Dallas just should win game seven. You know, it's I, I'm I'm not so far removed from, you know, again, execution is everything. The Suns are that good of a team. But I also, again, I keep coming back. Three or four games. Three or four games with adjustments that are are working. And it it is possible that the Suns just out of executing game seven. It is possible that, you know, they're going to learn from the trapping. They're going to be more prepared for the trapping, for example. You're not going to get five threes from Spencer Dinwiddie. Um I'm still not sure that the Mavericks, I mean, obviously as a team, they're going to go into game seven saying we should just win. Of course they are as a team. I'm not so sure that we shouldn't be just thinking they should win. Is it, but is it still enough, you know, found money that, that it won't feel that way? I think um, or it, maybe, maybe we don't know. Maybe we don't know until we know how game seven goes. I think it hinges on how talented you think the Suns are. I happen to think they're a, an amazing team, really talented, extremely well coached, and every bit of their number one seed is earned. So I I tend to think that it is found money, even though all of the things that you've said are true. And if you look ahead, I don't know if you've been watching the Grizzlies and Warriors series. None of them are exactly covering themselves in glory. And we put the hurt on the Warriors and this I think, season. I think and it's that's, a way better matchup for us. I think that's the so other reason think, why it might feel a little disappointing if Dallas can't get now get a crack at what would you, you say? Know, most likely Golden State. I will say that I won't be disappointed if they lose, but on the contrary. This might be the best chance to ever go to the finals for the next four or five years. This is an absolute dynamite, the most, the highest percentage chance that they're going to have to go to the NBA finals is winning this game seven. All the things that I said about Jamal Murray coming back, Kawhi Leonard coming uh, back, Kawhi, the you, Lakers hopefully doing you, something you, a little bit better. That's not never, maybe not. The we, yeah, mostly, gotta, mostly Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Murray and the Nuggets and, and Clippers becoming legitimate. I mean, like, that's right, and it's not. I, I, mean, I, I teams, agree, and I don't yeah. like we. I, I'm. It's hard for me to parse that while also understanding all the things that we said about how this team is going somewhere clearly is not its final product either. Um, I do hear you. And I do think that's a very interesting idea that, you know, there's, we've gone from, you know, have a competitive series and it's okay to lose in six to real expectations that this team can go on Sunday and win in Phoenix uh, just because they've been the better team, you know, since they figured out how to play the Suns. Um, I don't, again, I, per, you know, my perspective, I don't think you should be disappointed. Let's see how game seven goes. Okay. And it may be frustrating how close it comes because that is often how game sevens are. But I I don't, I agree. Like, I, I don't think that this is, you know, something that they, that they, that, that they have to win. They were down 0-2. Right. You're down 0-2 to a 64-1 team. What are the percentages for that? Yeah. Teams, teams are who win six four games who go up very low, low in a series. It's I'm going to sh- assume it's very low. 
I mean, I think 61 teams that go up 2-0, I think we know about losing those kind of series. But that's 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 happened in in the past. That's that's a foul, sir. So, <laughs> that's a foul. But you gotta what, go in the penalty box. What I will say about this series specifically is that this is the one of the few playoff series where I think every single game is just an individual game. The last game that happened has no bearing on the next game. It is it's almost like they're playing seven spread out regular season games. I mean, yes and no. Do you, do you, you, do you not feel that games three and four? I agree that, you know, game no game is the same. Game six played out in very similar ways to games three and four to me. Yeah, no, I I think it's that, but I think I this is the series where I've I've never seen home court matter more in an NBA playoff series where the role players are just playing, you know, their adjustments that they're making, they're making smart adjustments. I think Kid is making really great adjustments game to game, and they're finding out the weak points in their defense, and they're finding out where they like their pet spots. But there's also, even in this game where they won by a lot, there was three or four three-pointers in the second quarter where Devin Booker, they ran, they executed perfectly. Devin Booker got a wide-open three-pointer, missed it. Didn't go in. It was like two or three three-pointers, Cam Johnson in the third quarter had two or three wide open wide corner threes, missed it. But conversely, Luka missed a bunch of free throws. Luka missed a bunch of open threes. We actually had also a few open threes that were missed. I think this game, just just like you've, you've written about, it's such an execution series that it's created a different level of variance in this series that I cannot trust. There's a level of variance in this series and also, we saw the Mavs, like, fall apart on the road in that third quarter. Because yeah. if you think about it, the Mavs, for the last four games straight, seven of those eight halves, they have been the better team. But they played a bad second half in Phoenix. It's just that third quarter. I think that that's true. That, yeah. that game five, the first half was competitive. The yeah. story after the game was like, oh, Phoenix blows them out. It's big lead, big home win. It was one quarter where they let go of the rope that changed the game. I would say, though, like zooming out, if you told me at the beginning of this series, we're going to give you one game, you have Luka Doncic. You play it in Phoenix, but we're going to decide the series on one game. I would say I'll take that against the best team in the NBA. It's like, sports. You you think the Suns want to see Luka Doncic in a win or die game? They're I guarantee you they do not. It, meant- it's, it might just be a game where he hits his step backs and and it's over. Yeah. So I, I just think if you have a player that's this dynamic, that's this talented, whose ceiling is so high, and you give that player an opportunity to beat you in a game seven, the pressure is on you. I mean, they could um, have avoided this whole thing by just drafting him. Oof. Yikes. Suns man. fans. Sorry for that one. Sorry for that one. Sorry for that, Oof. man. Luca, Luca Booker you think, you think any Suns fan is listening to this podcast after that game? Oof. Luca, no. Luca Booker they're, they're in bed, I hope. Luca yeah. Booker, Bridges. Oof. That, oof. That's good luck. Yeah. Good luck. That, that would be. That would be. Anyway, I, I think that's a good ending point. Um, it's game seven. It's game It's Luca. Two best boards in sports. You know, it is it is the best team in the NBA. Thanks for listening to the Rights to Ricky Lido podcast.
Absolutely oh, not. Absolutely. I got the Ricky Little authentic jersey in the back. We're at home right now, so we're winning. We're up. We're, we're scoring points. I'm I'm at ho- I'm literally at home. So <laughs> my performance doesn't change on the road. Are you sure? I literally like, intro the podcast like this. You can't go against my cold open. I don't like. I don't that know. is like the number one rule of I, podcasting. I think, I think you're a little better when you podcast in your own apartment. I think you're a little better at home. No, he's like. I mean, I'm less echoey, but. <laughs> His mindset doesn't change. Mindset doesn't change. You're not invited on the post game seven pot then. Post- Get out of here. If, like, if oh, well, you, I'm not going to be in Phoenix. You know. <laughs> oh, you ever heard? Well, you don't even know if you're going to Phoenix. Before I'm not today. in Utah. They know about the internet there. Oof, rough. Oh, so, yeah. Hey, man. If, it's if not you a bad don't city. believe, you shouldn't be here. That's I'm, what someone wise told me that years ago, and it stuck with I me ever think, since. I don't think they told. I think they told some random ESPN reporter that. I don't think that was you. <laughs> All right. Unless you went to the bubble. I did not. I, I, did not. Know, I know you didn't go. Anyway, uh, we'll be back after game seven. It will be uh, jubilation as the Mavericks advance uh, for fans everywhere. Or it will be a mature ending to a season that brought this team one step closer in the direction they're headed. You have one more thing, Austin. In the words of our former Maverick great, Zaza Pachulia... Game seven! <laughs> Good night. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the it tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. Woo!